0: Welcome to the Shamanic Author Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. Are you a coach, holistic or spiritual entrepreneur struggling to write your first book? The Shamanic Author Podcast will help you release that resistance inside yourself so you can access that state of being that writing requires. See, society has it all wrong. From a young age, we're told that we have to have the house, the degree, the fancy car to be happy. But The truth is, we have to become that state of happiness and then the material success follows you're human beings, not human havings, right? So I'm so excited for this episode today. Let's explore energy, alternative health, first-time author challenges, and book publishing marketing strategies. If this sounds like you, I want you to head over to mountainmindtricks.com ultimate guide for a free ultimate aspiring author guide. There's three steps in there that'll teach you exactly how to write a book that makes a big difference in your spiritual business, in your holistic or coaching practice. And if you want to know when the next episode is live, get updates, and learn more about the shamanic writing process, follow me on Instagram at mountain underscore mind underscore tricks. That's mountain mind tricks with underscores. Follow the podcast and subscribe to the show to make sure you get the notifications when I release new episodes. Wow, I'm so excited for this episode. Nate Dukes is an amazing author. His story will blow you away, and his book, You'll Never Change, will completely change your life. If you follow the steps, the recommendations, if you follow the book step by step, it will completely change your life, just like it did for Nate. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for today. We're blessed to have Nate Dukes. He's an author, speaker, and his story is so inspirational and powerful that that I just had to get him on the podcast as soon as possible. And uh, his book is actually launching this week. And Nate, could you introduce yourself and, and let us know where did the book come from like what's the backstory of you'll never change and i love the title by the way and i was just scrolling through the book Uh, i can't wait to read it and and just tell us how like what's the background of this book how did it happen
1: Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for having me. This is an incredible podcast. I've been following what you've been doing for a while and I love, love this show. I love the heart and the ideas behind it. And really they say that a a, a good book is the conversations that you have over and over again. Well, for the last several years, I've been doing a lot of coaching and mentorship on guys and girls who want to make a comeback in their life. So they've experienced some form of failure and where they're at is not where they want to be. Now, there's several reasons why we get stuck and we don't ever actually make a comeback. And that's kind of been my area of expertise these last few years is helping people get to where they want to go. And so I took uh, the principles that I used to make my comeback several years ago. Um, I combined them with my story, uh, put it in a format that was easy to digest, easy to relate to, high on the inspiration. So it's going to make you feel good while you read it, but it's also going to challenge you to grow as well. So this isn't just something that we read and we put down, but there's actual um, a comeback challenge at the end of each chapter. And so this book is designed for anybody that struggles with self-doubt, anybody that needs to create a vision for their future or doesn't even know how to or what that is somebody who might need a mentor in their life and doesn't know how to necessarily find one this book is gonna help you uh, deal with rejection and the haters because we've all got them in our life um, it's gonna do several things that are gonna put be the building blocks and the foundational stuff that you need so that in two three four years from now you can look back and say man how did I get here um, and that's really been my heart is helping people start from the bottom create their own comeback and prove those negative voices in their life wrong.
0: Oh man, I love that so much and and just reading like the description and going through some of the pages and I and I went through all the the comeback challenges and they are solid gold for people that are listening like just the comeback challenges alone will absolutely change your life. There's no no doubt in my mind and and Nate, could you could you tell us like what's the like the story behind like what happened to you that made you so inspirational because by the way, your voice is just, it's making me get amped up because like you're inspiring me already, man. Well, yeah. So
1: I I, I understand that I'm uh,
0: inspiring people because
1: I'm inspired myself. You know, Tony Robbins says you can't take anywhere anybody somewhere that you aren't willing to go yourself first. And so this for me is something that I get excited and passionate about because my life hasn't always looked the way it is right now. You know, right now, um, me and my wife, we got married last year. She's the most amazing, wonderful person that I've ever met. She is the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, we bought our first investment property, so uh, I sit on the board of a nonprofit. Um, you know, I do. I, I coach several people. I lead hundreds of volunteers at my church every single week. So my my life looks very different now. Than what it used to. So I just gave you the highlight reel of my story, but it didn't start there. It actually started when I was a little kid. Um, We grew up in the projects, Uh, we were the poor family. We didn't have a whole lot. And I don't really blame my parents for anything that they did, they were really, they were kids trying to raise kids and they had some broken mindsets about finances they had some broken mindsets about poverty and life and and how to become uh what you want to be in life and and those broken mindsets were passed down to us kids and and i remember one time my mom coming up to us around christmas time saying hey nate i just want you to know there's not going to be a whole lot of presents underneath the christmas tree this year and as a kid man that's never anything you want to hear, right? but there was this really great church that came and and they bought Christmas presents for my mom. And I remember that that Christmas was really special, but I also knew that it didn't come from my parents. And so we had this understanding that there was never going to be enough. And, and I really wanted to break out of that. And so I started going to this church at a young age and they were super great people, but I always had this feeling, nobody ever said it out loud, but I always felt like God was watching me and he was waiting for me to mess up. And as soon as, as I did something wrong, he was going to punish me. And so when I turned 18 and went away to college for the very first time, man, I felt like nobody was watching me. And that's when I first got introduced to alcohol. I got first introduced to drugs and I wanted to escape the chaos of my childhood. But instead of bettering myself at school, I actually found myself Uh, obsessed and enveloped into this party culture and lifestyle that college offered me. And so what started out as a weekend thing turned into a daily thing. And then all of a sudden my partying was competing against with my studying. And I found myself taking prescription ADD medication. And man, when I took that for the first time, I felt like Superman and I could accomplish things and I was focused. And that actually translated me into trying harder drugs and harder drugs. and, And And all of a sudden, what was a casual drug experience turned into a full-blown drug addiction. And so I went to college for four years, managed not to graduate or come anywhere close to a degree, but I did get a master's in having a really good time. Um, I don't want to lie. I had a blast while I was in college until it wasn't fun anymore. I had a fun time until it wasn't fun. And so uh, after four years, I ran out of money and I had to move back in with my mom and dad. Which, by the way, that is the real walk of shame. So I'm sure some of our listeners, they, they know what a walk of shame is. The real walk of shame is having to move back in with your parents at 21 years old. But um, through a series of events, uh, I was actually able to get connected with a buddy of mine who wanted to open up a bar in downtown Youngstown, Ohio. And he asked me if I wanted to be a partner involved with this. And I, I this touched on a couple areas in my life. It touched on the entrepreneur that was inside of me. But it also touched on this party lifestyle that I had developed. And so I jumped in with both feet and we took what was a failing business in the beginning and turned it into something that was very successful over the course of two years. And so now I have access to more money than I've ever seen in my entire life. But I want you to understand something. This is not like a life-changing amount of money. It was just, you got to understand, I was the poor kid growing up. So for me, this felt like the world. All of a sudden, I had the right car. Um, I had the right uh, I had the right apartment. It was a beautiful apartment in downtown Youngstown. Um, I was in social circles that I had never been in before. Um, it was easy for me to pick up girls. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on this podcast, but um, I was experiencing things that I had never experienced before. But you know what I found? Even having all of that, I was still empty, and I was still unhappy on the inside, and I couldn't figure out why. Because my life was different than what it had ever looked before, but I was more miserable than I had ever been before. And so I went on this journey of saying, okay, well, if, if I'm still empty, what can I put inside of me to fill this emptiness? And I tried everything. That's when my drug addiction really started to ramp up. But I also developed this really severe gambling addiction as well and uh listen i am the classic definition of a bad gambler okay i uh i wasn't any good if you don't know anything about gambling it is designed for the house to always win and the house always won when i went to the casino but i was addicted to the high that it gave me and so i kept going back and over the course of a year i ended up really gambling and losing everything that i personally owned Uh, i gambled it all away, and so my bank accounts were on empty But what was interesting was that the business bank accounts were on full, and so uh, I decided that I was going to start taking and dipping into the business bank accounts. Um, is a decision that I really regret. But I guess in that moment, I was thinking, well, geez, I'm the I'm the owner of this business, anyways. Isn't it my money? Well, here's the thing: you can't take purse or you can't take business money and use it for personal investments. That is called embezzlement. And so I was stealing money from these business bank accounts to fuel my drug and gambling addiction. And uh, we had several employees who worked for us at that time. And these people worked hard, man. They were great. They they had to put food on their table for their kids. They had to pay their bills. And I remember one day it was, uh, it was payday and my business partner came up to me and he said, all right, Nate, it's time to cut the checks for everybody. And I just came clean to him in that moment. I said, hey, if we write these checks, there's not gonna be enough money to cover them in the accounts. And you could see the look on his face. He was confused. He was frustrated. He was upset. I don't think he fully processed it in that moment. But then things started to catch up to him and he started to realize what was going on. In that moment, he realized that I had taken the payroll money the night before and I gambled it all away. And uh, so he gave me a multi- an ultimatum at that point. He said, you can either sign everything over to me free and clear and walk away from this business completely, or I'm going to get a lawyer involved and I'm going to press charges. And so here I was, 26 years old, not knowing who I am. Uh, my identity's wrapped up in being a business owner, and when that business was taken away from me, I didn't know who I was. And so once again, I moved back in with my mom and dad, and they had no idea what to do with me. I was super depressed, full of anxiety, still dealing with a drug and gambling addiction. I could I could hardly hold down a job. I'd get a job at a local restaurant as a server, and I'd I'd end up resorting back to what I, I, I instinctually knew, which was to steal. And so I'd take money from the cash register, I'd get caught, and then I would get fired. And this happened three different times. And finally, the last time I was walking around my parents' apartment complex, I'd just gotten fired. I'd taken a handful of pills. It was three in the morning, and I was just I was just trying to find anything that I could get my hands on to sell for more money. And I was walking around the different vehicles in the parking lot, trying to see if any of them were unlocked to see if I could find anything to take. And I ended up opening up the car door to a 1999 Buick Lesabre. And as I opened up the center console, I found um, inside of it there were a set of spare keys. Because apparently that's where you keep the spare keys to a 1999 Buick Lesabre, and so um, in that moment I thought to myself, maybe this is an opportunity for me to run away from all of my problems. Because at that point I had lost my vehicle, um, and I and I I knew that if I could just get away from this place, maybe I could I could start my life over and figure things out. But how many of us know that when our life is a mess, it's not actually our surroundings that are always the problem. Oftentimes it's Us, That's the problem. And it doesn't matter how fast or how far we run, our problems always find a way to catch up to us. But I sure was going to try anyways. And so I decided in that moment that I was going to take this Buick LeSabre, drive it across the country to Houston, Texas, and start over. Uh, I chose Texas because I had a buddy who lived in Houston, and he said, if you ever find a way to get down here, I'll help you start over. I'll help you get back on your feet. Now, he had no idea that I was about to steal this car, but I packed up five garbage bags of clothes, and I, I headed for Texas. I made it about halfway right outside of Nashville, Tennessee, a small town called Ashland City. I was parked at a laundromat slash gas station where I was just trying to get some sleep. I had been up for three days at that point, and I knew I didn't want to show up looking like a mess. And so I was woken up at 9 a.m. to three really loud bangs on the car window, and a stranger's hand reached in. It grabbed me by the chest, threw me to the ground, put me in handcuffs, and sat me in the back of a cop car. And the weight of every decision that I had ever made in my life sat on my chest like a ton of bricks. And this thought kept replaying in my mind over and over and over again, which is, you'll never change. And I'd heard that from teachers before. I'd heard that from ex-girlfriends. But I think that oftentimes the loudest voice is the one that is in our own head. And it kept telling me, this is your life. You're never going to change. And you know what was interesting is is that um, I don't know what you're dealing with right now while you're listening to this, things that you maybe you've been believing that man, my life is never going to look any different. I'm just here to tell you that uh, the experiences that I've had, uh, my message is very simple. You can change. And I actually believe that God can help you do it. And so after everything that I've been through and after everything that that you've been through, if he can do it for me, he can He can absolutely do it for you as well. And and so I went to, to Cheatham County Jail for six months where they gave me a felony theft over 1,000 uh, because you're not allowed to steal cars and drive them across the country. So I spent six months in jail. And while I was there, it was a, um, a pod setup. up. So I shared a pod with 16 other guys. There were eight bunk beds. Um, there were three tables, two toilets, one TV. Um, but there were zero windows in the entire place. Uh, the only opportunity that we got to get out was uh, every month they would give us an, a chance to go to something they called a church service. Now, I was less interested in going to church, but I was, I was more interested in actually getting out of the pod and seeing different things. And so we walked down this long hallway, and off to the left-hand side, there was a 16 folding chair set up in the cinder block room. And as we all filed in, we were some ugly-looking dudes at the time too. Our hair was grown out. Our beards were a mess. Orange is not a great color on any man. And as we're, as we're filing in, this really old man walks in, and he pulls out this really, really old guitar. And as he starts to tune it up, he looks at us and says, fellas, the only difference between you and me is that uh, I never got caught. And then he starts to sing the song, Amazing Grace. And it goes, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And I looked around the room and I saw 16 grown men ugly white girl crying. There was just tears streaming down their face. And in that moment, I really do believe that God's grace showed up. Um, I was sitting in the middle of my mess. And what was so interesting is that I described this as a perfect moment because I wasn't worried about my past, the things that I had done wrong. I wasn't worried about my future. How was I gonna get out of here? But in that moment, I experienced this overwhelming peace And I just believe that there's no mess that God's grace won't get in the middle of. And I I just believe that grace is is unmerited or undeserved favor on your life. And some people call it karma. Some people call it luck. I just choose to believe that God's grace is guiding my life. And uh, from there, I knew that, God, if you're real, I need your help. And I, I don't know how to change, but I know that I want to. And so when I got out of jail, I knew that I needed to make some new decisions and I ended up getting connected with a local church. My little sister, she she um, invited me and I wasn't really interested in going, but she said, you know it's better than anything else you've been doing for a while, so why don't you give it a shot? And the truth was, is that she was right. And so um, I went to church and I was a mess of a person, man. I was very messy, but there were some people there that were willing to get messy with me. And I got connected with uh, someone that became a mentor in my life. And I will tell you a good mentor will lead you places that um, you need to go. But maybe you don't actually want to go in the moment, and they really did encourage me, and they they saw something inside of me that I didn't even know was there, and and through this whole process, I had to really work out some uh, negative, ugly, broken places inside of me, and I had I had this understanding that God forgave me, He 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 loved me, but I I still wasn't ready to forgive myself. And so through going on this process, I, I learned what self-love was. And I went on this personal development journey where I really got deep into how do I heal from the past traumas that I had experienced? And I went on a journey of making amends to other people. And, and it, now my life looks completely different. I talked to you about what my highlight reel is. And, and so I was able to make my comeback. And, and now one of the great passions of my life is helping other people make their comeback. And so my life is not just about chasing success anymore, but really I'm trying to chase impact and what does fulfillment look like? And and how do I help other people? Because that's what is going to ultimately fill me up.
0: Oh man. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's so inspirational and such a, Oh, I just got chills, man. Especially like that moment of grace coming through that guitar, through that old man and, And, uh, man, that feeling still comes through when you tell that story, it is so beautiful. And, and I guess I want to ask you like a little bit deeper on like, what was that moment? Like, like, you mentioned the chills, people were crying, but what was, what was that? I mean, that must've been like God stepping into the room, right? Like, what was that?
1: Well, yeah, I didn't understand in the moment, but it was the presence of God in that place. And uh, I looked around and I I, I could see all of these criminals, these guys who have done terrible things, They've, they've stolen, they've taken advantage, they've hurt. And I looked at every single one of them and they were just as broken as I was. And there's something special happens when you come, when an imperfect person comes in contact with a very perfect God, you can't help but feel overwhelmed. And so that's exactly what it was in that moment. It was a very overwhelming feeling. And I still remember it to this day because at first I didn't quite grasp what was going on. I didn't understand it, but I knew that this was something special. And I knew that that is something that I wanted for my life. And when I got out, man, there was, um, there was the, this guy who, who really mentored me and he had something that I wanted, which was a God-centered life. He had a life that was focused and a relationship with God. And so he had that and I wanted it. But if I was ever going to get what he had, I had to be willing to do what he did. And so he really took me on this really great journey of understanding what that actual moment was
0: and how do I access it in my everyday life. Oh, wow. I think that's such a big key. The mentor sounds amazing because I – we have that access we have that grace every second it's just if we're tapping into it or maybe we're tapping into something that's not so constructive like you used to be doing right and like i think we all go through phases or places like that in our life where we're tapping into the opposite of that right
1: yeah absolutely and i here's what i think i believe that god is always speaking to us I think sometimes our lives get too busy um, or we get too loud in our own head to actually hear him. I heard somebody once explain it like if you've ever gone and got coffee with a friend and you walked into Starbucks and you saw him sitting at the table and then you ordered your drink and you sat down and you guys caught up for an hour. If you weren't paying attention, you would have have noticed that um, the whole entire time there was music playing above you and maybe you didn't even know that it was playing or you could even hear the words. But oftentimes that's what the voice of God is like is that it's always there. But if we're not
0: intentional about slowing down and listening for it, we might actually miss it. Oh, man, I love that analogy. That's amazing because I, I think I've done that in a lot of coffee shops or Starbucks or whatever it is. It's totally missed the music. Wow, that's that's insightful, man. I love that. And And something I was reading in your book was one of the comeback challenges is a random act of kindness. And I want to ask you about this because – I truly think this is probably one of the most spiritual and like energetic things to do in the entire universe is like, you're giving somebody, but somehow, some way that energy is going to show up in a totally different way in your life, right? Oh, absolutely. And so this is what
1: I really believe that as soon as I can get my focus, my attention off of my problems, and I can get them on somebody else's that's actually when I give access to God to be able to get his hands on my problems. If my hands are so tightly wrapped up on everything that's wrong with me, I'm not letting anybody else come in to be able to help with that. But as soon as I take my hands off my problems, I put them down, I begin to help other people, which by the way, the side effect of helping people is fulfillment in our life. Um, When we begin to help other people, um, I get my hands on their problems. Now all of a sudden, my issues My mess ups, my mistakes, my brokenness is available for a higher power for God to come in and start to work in my life. And so I really do believe that um, for me, success is all about what can I get for me? So what can I take? How can I achieve? Where can I where can I go? And and I don't think there's anything wrong with success. I hope that you have dreams and goals and vision for your life, and I I hope that you accomplish all of them. But uh, success without fulfillment actually equals failure. And so for me, fulfillment comes from how can I help somebody else? How can I um, empower somebody? How can I inspire someone? How can I take someone from a place of being broken and stuck to a place of achievement, fulfillment, success, hope, inspiration? That's what I want to ultimately do is, is be an impact in somebody's life. And the side effect is me finding fulfillment. And so through helping other people, random acts of kindness, being generous, loving others, smiling when you don't have to. You know, I love what Dave Chappelle says. He says he's on this kindness conspiracy He says that being kind to people, even when we don't need to, is actually the cure for the problems that the human race is experiencing right now. It's so easy to be kind to somebody that you ultimately get something from, right? So if you're working on a business agreement with somebody or you're trying to get a job or you're, you're interested in a girl, it's super easy to be kind to them in that moment. But what happens when you don't have to anymore? Are you still that kind person that you once gave off? And so for him, what he said is that I want to be kind to people even when I get nothing in return.
0: Oh, it's so powerful, man. Just the idea of giving with like selflessly, right? Like there's no reason or rhyme, but giving. And, and for me, I, this happened to me a couple of years ago. I remember I was in a restaurant eating dinner with my wife and all of a sudden the waiter comes by and is like, Hey, somebody somebody in the room paid for your dinner. Here you go. Um, have a good night. And it just blew me away that somebody random bought my dinner for it, like bought our dinner for us. It was, it was probably one of the most strange spiritual kind of God moments of my life. And, and I think that's how random acts of kindness are for most people of like, really, you're going to give me this money or you're going to give me this thing. And it's, it's just so powerful. So I love that about your book that you brought that in because I think just like Dave Chappelle said, I, I do think this is a cure for so many problems. So thank you so much for saying that. And, and one of the other things in, in your challenges is to evaluate your circle. And I thought that was so powerful because, you know, I guess in psychology or whatever, we, we always hear like, you're kind of the sum of the five relationships you have. And, and when I started digging deeper into evaluating your circle, it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. I was like, who are you with? What are, what are relationships are you cultivating? And, and I really appreciated that. Did you want to speak on that more?
1: Yeah, so you're absolutely right. So psychology will tell us that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Um, science will actually show you that you will make the average amount of money of the five people that you spend the most time with. And so if we actually understand this principle, if we believe it to be true, then we have some personal responsibility that we have to take into account of, if I don't like the direction that the people in my life are going, am I willing to be choosy? Am I willing to be selective on who I let into my life? And so when I talk about this, it can be a little uncomfortable for some people, and I totally understand why. They'll start to think to themselves, are, are you telling me I have to give up on people? Are you telling me I have to walk away from friendships? Are you telling me I have to say No. And for some of you, absolutely. For some of you, this is actually the permission that you have been waiting for to walk away from that toxic relationship that you know has been taking you away from the direction, the purpose, the calling that is on your life right now, and you feel dragged in the opposite direction. You do not need that in your life. You have every right to say, i am uh i am being selective with who i let speak into my life i'm being selective with who i surround myself with um it's like this The, the rule of thumb is i never want to take advice from somebody that i'm not willing to trade places with for instance um i don't want to take financial advice from my broke uncle at the barbecue i love you unc you're great you're amazing you're funny Um, but you've shown me what not to do. And so I need people in my life who are going to show me what to do. Um, I I want several types of people in my life. First type of person is somebody that I get the opportunity to pour into, somebody that I get to love, I get to support, I get to cheer on, I get to root for. I need somebody on my same level, somebody that's going through the same things that I'm going through, somebody that I can relate to, I can take the armor off around, I um, I can be real and vulnerable and honest with. And then I need somebody in my life who's a little farther ahead than what I am, someone that can speak into my situation, who can encourage me and say, hey, don't worry, it gets better. Or listen, you you need to uh, uh, pivot here. You need to watch out for this. I love the saying that your growth is directly connected with your group. So who you do life with, listen, it matters. It matters more than what you think. And sometimes being solo um is is better than being surrounded. And so I always want people in my life who are going to encourage, who are gonna challenge, who are gonna be real with me. And I need people who are gonna know me, K-N-O-W, know, know what I've been through, know what I've struggled with, know what I need to avoid. And then I need people in my life that are going to know NO know me. No, Nate, that doesn't look good on you. No, Nate, you shouldn't send that text. No, Nate, you shouldn't let this resentment build up in your life. I need these types of people because we have blind spots as human beings. We have these areas of our life that we don't necessarily see. And so I am dependent on my circle. I am dependent on my group to be that support system for me. I have to be willing to take personal responsibility and take an inventory of who do I do life with. if you don't like it, you have the right to change it. You don't have to feel stuck because, well, these are my friends and I don't wanna give up on them, but are, are they actually your friends? Do they actually support your dreams? Do they actually believe in you? Do they actually want what's best for you? Because a friend will who wants what's best for you isn't always worried about your feelings. Now, they might say something to you that hurts, but maybe it's something that you actually needed to hear. And so that's the type of people that I really want in my life. Because you are the sum total of the five people you do life with. You are going to make the average amount of money that you surround yourself with. And so now for me, understanding that, I've gotten to this place where I'm very selective, but I'm also very thankful. I'm grateful for the people that I have in my life now because these are pure, genuine, honest people. But it took me a journey of saying no to a whole lot of people to get here.
0: Oh man, I love that so much and and for me this resonates so much cuz you know in the last last couple of years I've transitioned careers from firefighting to doing you know the book publishing, the book coaching, the mental emotional release work and my entire circle has completely changed. I think I don't really resonate with any firefighters anymore and it's at first it was sad, but now it's it's like no, this is where I want to be. This is what I want in my life and so everybody listening like your circle just like Nate is talking about is everything and and I just seriously Nate this book is gold like for everybody listening like you got to check this book out because I'm telling you there's so much like we've just hit on a couple things in here uh, this book is going to change your life and and Nate what I want to ask you about is is the process that you went through to write this cuz there's there's so many different journeys that yeah Authors go through, and and I'm curious what yours was like. Yeah, so for me, uh, mine was very interesting.
1: So I had this dream, this goal, this vision, whatever you want to call it, to write a book, because I wanted this to make an impact in somebody's life. I wanted to create a book, a resource that somebody could read and start to make their comeback almost immediately after reading it. And uh, for so, I sat down uh, for the first time to try to write the book. And uh, I spent two hours on it and at the two and a half hour mark, I deleted everything (laughs) and I started over. And so I started writing and typing again and then I got to the three and a half hour mark and I deleted and got rid of everything that I typed at that point. I just felt frustrated, overwhelmed. And then I had a buddy of mine who uh, during 2020, uh, we would take walks in the park together. So everything shut down. We don't have uh, work. We are just trying to stay physically active. And so we started taking walks in the park together. And we would just talk about life and we catch up. And uh, I, would, I, I was getting ready to write a book and, and he was getting ready to write a book. And I was so focused on the marketing end of things. And I had all these great ideas of things that I wanted to do and things I wanted to include in the book, the comeback challenges, how I wanted to lead people to the website, how I was going to interact with them on social media, how I was going to help share their stories. And, um, I remember at one point we were walking and I just said to him, you know what, dude, I am getting ahead of myself. I actually need to sit down and actually write this book. And then, you know what he said to me? He said, Nate, why don't you let me help you? And it kind of blew me away because I didn't really expect him to say that because he's he's a great writer. He's really good at creating content. And I didn't even know what that looked like. He said, Nate, I want to actually start this ghostwriting business. Um, and I would love to sit down and work with you to see what that can look like to actually get this book on paper for you. And so we sat down through several sessions of several hours. we Together, he helped walk me through what – um. Uh, storyboarding the book could look like. And then we sat down and I told him story after story and principle after principle. And he took the words that he recorded on his phone and he translated them into a format that was actually typed up and that sounded and looked good. And then we had this finished product. Well, so it wasn't finished because it still needed to be edited and I wanted to add my voice to it. And so me and my wife, we uh, we got together and she's a, a school teacher and she teaches English. And we sat down for two days. We locked ourselves in a hotel room and we went through this thing line by line, word by word. And we deleted, I don't know, probably 25, 30 Percent of it, and then we started adding in my voice, my structure. We rearranged some things. We really edited the book into a way that that made sense, that it included my personality. You're going to hear a lot of that high inspiration that you can hear in in my voice. It's going to come through in the book very clear. and And so he really helped us get to a place where um, my skill set wasn't. I'm not a writer. Uh, I'm a storyteller. Uh, I'm 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 a hope dealer. I'm somebody that can inspire. But to, the actual skill set of writing is, is listen, my, my seventh grade school teacher looked at me while I was in English class and she said, after I turned in an essay, she said, Nate, what are you doing here, man? You need to get this together. And so, writing was never a strong suit for me. So, I surrounded myself with someone who had a strength where I had a weakness, partnered with them. And it's really cool because he actually started a ghostwriting business off of that. I was his first client and he's actually gone on and, and he's still doing this for other people where he takes their messages and their stories and puts it in a format. And uh, a way that they can actually take and now edit it, I was so intimidated by the process of writing a book. He helped make this possible for me. I don't know that you'll never change would be where it's at today without his help.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful, man. Like I love this that like another mentor showed up to really help you do and go through this process and and I'm curious while you were telling him these stories while you and your wife were editing like this whole process for you was there was there this, this journey, this integration of everything you've learned in jail through everything you've gone through in life? Was there almost this healing process that went through just, just by telling your story, just by organizing the facts, the, the inspiration, the voice, like, was there, it's almost like God came in to facilitate a healing for
1: you through this. Well, yeah. So this has been an eighteen-month project to get from when it started to where it's at right now. And so along the way, there's been moments of tears, moments of self-realization, moments of, man, I can't believe we're actually doing this. Um, there's been some very humbling moments where I said, oh, I didn't, I didn't actually think that this was going to be possible, but, but here we are. And through this whole process, I really do believe that God has been – that grace that I talked about in the beginning, his grace has been on this. It's been showing up. And I'll tell you, it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been this just like, oh, this wonderful process that I just sat down and I held somebody write this book with me and we just figured it all out. And now here we are and it's it's number one on Amazon as a bestseller. Listen, this has been full of – Frustration, of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Because anytime you make a declaration or you have a vision or a dream, that's the first thing that starts to creep in: fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And that was all there. I just really felt like through this whole process, God was reminding me. He said, "I've brought you through so much, so that you can help other people with this story." And so that's where I'm at right now: is trying to help other people. But I also, the side effect was me experiencing some healing that was attached to it as well. Anytime you share your story with somebody, it's not just helping them. And there's a freedom in sharing your story. I think sometimes we get ashamed or embarrassed of what we've gone through. And so we'll hide it and we'll keep it tucked away. But when we bring out what's in the darkness, when we bring it out into the light, that's when real freedom and healing starts to happen. And so because. Everything that I share in this book is very real, raw, vulnerable. I don't hold anything back i on the on the other side of the coin have experienced some freedom
0: and some healing along the way. oh wow, man, I love that so much and and it's so interesting you mentioned the fear and the doubt because i i've you know after interviewing so many authors, there's this it's this central theme of it's almost like you're bumping against your highest potential. Like you're, you're crossing this threshold through the writing process and the fear and the doubt is like this layer, this, this veil that the writer has to go through to get to the other side. And it's just, it shows up. It's almost like the trickster in the story that kind of shows up and makes you second guess everything. But in reality, it's, it's, it's just a phase. It's just a layer to go through. And and I'm curious what that felt like for you. Was this pretty intense for you or was, um, you know, I guess my intention is to help first-time writers get through that process as well, right?
1: Oh, listen, there were absolutely moments where it felt overwhelming. (laughs) There were were late nights where I would stay up late Obsessing over this, there were early mornings when I would wake up and be thinking about what I'm actually doing and why I'm trying to do this. Um, this process is, and I loved what you said that you have to go through it. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt are absolutely a part of this process. If you haven't been scared out of your mind or thought that this is never going to work or nobody's going to want to buy this, then you're you might not. Either you're a unicorn or you're not doing this right because you have to go through this. Um, uh, And any time that you do and you push through to the other side, it makes it so much sweeter. It makes it so much um, fulfilling. It makes it so much more exciting because uh, you've heard this before. They say that courage isn't doing something when you're not afraid. It's being scared out of your mind and doing it anyway. And writing a book, it takes a lot of courage. And so if you are thinking right now of, man, there's a story in my heart, there's a book in my mind, there's something that I want to get, a message that I want to get out to people, there's going to be plenty of thoughts of doubt that creep in, and you are going to have to come face to face with those doubts. And I'm not telling you not to have them. What I am telling you to do is have the courage to keep going anyways. Because your story needs to get out. Your message needs to be out there. It has the ability to change somebody else's story. And so you are actually robbing someone else of their potential, of their moment by not getting it out. So I just want to encourage you, push through. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to hurt sometimes. There's going to be plenty moments of doubting yourself. But when you get to the other side, you're going to look back and you're going to thank yourself and you're going to say, Wow, I can't believe after all I've been through that we were able to get this far. There's going to be a sense of accomplishment and pride. And I just want you to really focus on what it's going to feel like in six months or a year, or however long it takes you to get this process out. I want you to focus on that and really envision yourself being there because you're going to, if you continue to take the steps forward, you'll get there. There's no part of this process that is too overwhelming that you can't do. It is just a series of little steps that you continually have to take. You can't stop giving up, never got you anywhere. So you're not going to give up this time. There's something beautiful about building your life or building your book or building your message brick by brick. And don't look at somebody else's finished product and say, I wish I had what they had because behind every finished product is a process that somebody had to walk through and you are walking through your process right now.
0: Oh man, you, you're so inspirational. You're just giving me chills. I love it. Thank you so much. And 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 I was like before before we uh, got on the podcast here, I was checking out your book on Amazon and looking at the ranking, and it is ranked really high. You know, like you mentioned, you you hit number one bestseller, but the overall rank still is is uh, congratulations, man. It is really high. Like, thank you so good much. Job, I really yeah, appreciate I, that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious on on um you know, did you do a self-publishing? Did you go to a traditional publisher? Like how did the publishing go for you?
1: Yeah, so um I, there's two routes, right? You can go through a a a publisher and or you can self-publish through Amazon. Um, I know that if you go through a publisher that they, um, they handle a lot, of, a lot of the distribution, but if you're a first-time off, author, sometimes they won't always help with the marketing end of things. And so I couldn't get a publishing deal even if I wanted one. I don't even know anybody in that space. And so I decided to self-publish. Um, because I was going to handle a lot of the marketing on the back end. And also, too, that means I would I would get the majority of the royalties as well. And so for me, I really um, became a student of book marketing. And I don't think that I've completely cracked the code on it. But I, I figured out a few things. And uh, be, coming from somebody who had zero audience, so I don't have a platform. I never, um, I, I'm, I don't have a big name or a huge email list. I have a couple hundred friends on Facebook and some Instagram followers. It wasn't much. But I've built everything that I have so far. And so the first thing, first step that I did is I learned how to create a launch team. So the launch team was really responsible for getting this book out and and spreading the word and pumping it up. They're like a street team for any kind of band or product. And so this book was actually finished, done, completed um, at the end of January. And I purposely decided to wait till June. To, to put it out because I was giving it enough time to build buzz for it, to build momentum, to get people excited for it though. Even though I, I knew that it was finished and I wanted to get it out, I knew that if I could create enough momentum for it, that the book would actually go farther if I waited. And so I waited a few months, created this launch team. I had a, a, a sign up on my website. So if you want to copy that or see what I did, you can go to you'll never change slash launch team. And you can see the form that I use, the video that I use, the recording, requirements that it would be to be involved. The requirements for being on the launch team were you were going to pre-order a book at a discounted rate. You were going to leave a review on Amazon, which is huge. We'll talk about that in a second. And you're going to share everything on social media. In return, you get access to a free private Facebook group that I created. Um, you get behind-the-scenes content. I serve them every single week. I spent time with them. I encourage them. I listen to their stories. They listen to mine. Um, but they'd also get a, a copy of the dig, a digital copy of the book for free. So I sent out all of free digital copies to my launch team. So um, they also pre-ordered it, which was awesome. So when pre-orders hit. It fired it up to uh, number one already. I had 144 people on the launch team who signed up. So uh, I was able to reach out to friends, um, close people that I knew, people who I'd coached. And then from there, they started inviting their friends, which was really cool. I encourage them, invite somebody who you think would really want to participate and get some value out of being on this launch team. And so they were able to get this book to number one. And then they also, their requirement is for them to review on Amazon. So everybody reviewed the book on Amazon. Um, the book came out a week ago and uh, so far it has 59 reviews on it as of today. Um, that and But Amazon is still, they take several days and weeks to review the reviews because they, they want to make sure that they're legit. So not actually every review is going to get submitted. Amazon is not interested in hearing how great of a person that i am they don't care if you know me they don't care if you like me um they are more interested in knowing about the book they want your thoughts on the book not the thoughts on the author so just some advice for anybody that is thinking about writing a review for someone make sure you really focus on the book and i really stress that to the launch team that we want to talk about the book only and so they were able to um review it. And and so far, uh, I've gotten booked at several different locations to speak about this book. Um, I just finished up on this Sunday. I, I shared the message at Rust City Church in Niles, Ohio. I've been booked in several conferences, one in Columbus. I'm going to one in Maine at the end of June. And, and so there's a lot of really cool things that have started to come from it. But the, the third phase, so the first phase is launch team, getting it to number one. The second phase is reviews. Reviews are very important because it provides social proof. We care so much about what people think that we've never met before. I've never, you've never met anybody that reviews something on Amazon, but we care so much about what they think about the product. And so, this provides that social proof. Reviews are highly—I cannot stress the importance of this enough. My goal for the uh, end of the month is to have a hundred reviews, and I'd like to try and make a huge push to two hundred and fifty reviews by the end of the year. And so, um, and then hopefully uh, get to a thousand reviews by the end of next year. And so you really want to push hard for reviews. Um, But then that's the second phase. The third phase of this three-prong marketing attack is then ads. So running Amazon ads. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still a novice at this. I have not yet cracked the code on it. Um, I was waiting to get my reviews high enough to really start to invest into it. But everything that I've learned from ads is, is that in the beginning, it's going to take an initial investment. So you want to test, 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 find out what copy works, find out what imaging works. You have to realize that we're just discovering what is my target audience? What is this? What problem is this solving for what um, ideal customer avatar? Who am I targeting? What do they want to see? And so once you find a way to get your ad cost below what your revenue is coming in from the book, then you have the opportunity to start to scale your advertisement. So for instance, let's say you're investing in $500 a month in advertising, but you're making $750 a, a month in book sales. Well, That's a good indicator that maybe it's time to scale. And so if I'm investing 1000 or $1,500 or, or, or $5,000 into advertising, but uh, I'm making a return on my investment, then, then you're really in the sweet spot. And so that's what I'm going to start experimenting over these next few weeks and this next month of what is um, starting to test my initial ads for this book. What does that actually look like?
0: Oh, wow, man. I love that so much. Yeah, the launch team is so critical and the, gosh, the keywords and the categories have to be perfect when you publish. And uh, I, I love this, man. The Amazon ads are it probably is one of the best advertising platforms just because of the simplicity. And also that person is looking for a book. And they might be yes. looking at this book and then they're shopping for that book. And then it's like 10 books later, they see an ad for years and like, oh, that looks interesting. So they're hot. They're like, they're steaming hot. They want to buy a book right now. And you get to advertise to that person. And it is so much more powerful than say the Facebook or Instagram ads where they're just kind of cold, right? Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, they're, they're already looking to buy. So why don't we put our advertisement dollars in front of the people who want to buy?
0: Absolutely. And so I'm curious, have you been using KDP Rocket at all for some of your Amazon ads? So I haven't um, actually experimented with any ads yet. I'm still in the like
1: observation phase and learning. So I'm actually um, a sponge right now trying to soak up as much knowledge and information. I'm asking questions to people who have done it before, um, who have gone before me. I'm trying to pick their brains. Where What do I stay away from? What do I move towards? And so this is the same thing that I teach um, these guys that I coach is that like, hey, you can take advice and learn from people who have done it a certain way, you can model their actions and get their results. And so that's what I'm looking at right now is what does it look like to model somebody who's been before me?
0: Oh, I love that, man. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, did somebody coach you or did you have some sort of mentor in publishing or um, did somebody teach you all this? Cause it sounds like either you watched a ton of YouTube or like, you know how to publish a book, right? YouTube university
1: is an amazing place, man. Um, and so I, I got very obsessed with learning how to market a book. Um, a big fear of mine was, is that uh, I'm going to put my life, my heart, my soul into something and nobody's going to even know that it's there. And so marketing isn't forcing anybody to buy anything. Marketing is just letting people know, Hey, I did something. Hey, I created this, and and maybe you want this. And and it doesn't matter how many people want your product. If they don't know it's there, they're never going to buy it. And so I really got obsessed with what does it look like to publish a book the right way, or at least with the information that, that I had. And so I had a couple people who um, had, had done it differently, but really – um, YouTube University, YouTube, man. I just got obsessed with finding. And, and you know what I did is I was looking at other people's launch teams and what they did and their strategies and how that worked. And I kind of picked and pulled from a buffet of different options. And uh, I really made this own, my own, um, my own like uh, amalgamation of what I thought was going to work. A lot of this stuff was a hypothesis, a lot of this stuff was a guess, but I just had this unrelenting faith that, man, I am somebody that figures it out. That's a that's an internal thought monologue and dialogue I have with myself. You figure things out, you do hard things. And so, um there's a reason why it, uh, the book was done in in February but I I waited till June. I needed to learn how to do this the right way.
0: Oh man, that's so powerful. Yeah, YouTube University changes everybody's life. I mean, it's you can learn how to do something. It just takes a little bit of time and 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 Nate, thank you so much for being here, man. Like you are so inspirational, uh, so grounded, and and just there's, the book is outstanding. Like I'm just so thankful you came on the podcast. And I'm curious, is there anything I haven't asked you about? Anything you want to go back to to clarify? Anything you want to go deeper with? Yeah. So a big passion of
1: mine is helping people who feel stuck and who are ready to make that next step. Um, And so what I've actually started to do is I've been going to different rehab facilities, recovery centers, um, um, and different meetings where people are ready to make a change in their life. And I've been able to actually give this book away to them for free. And the whole reason I'm able to do that is through this pay it forward initiative that I've created where somebody um, can actually go and buy a book for someone that they have never met before in their life. And I will personally make sure that I deliver it to them and you actually get the opportunity to be a part of somebody else's comeback story. And so we want to talk about doing a a random act of kindness for somebody. You literally get to pay it forward and watch as somebody else's life gets to be transformed and changed. And so if you want to participate that, if you want to help, if you want to be a part of somebody's solution, you can go to youllneverchange.com slash pay it forward. Um, I have a, a, a goal of giving away a thousand books this year. And I really have this dream of giving away 10,000 books in 2022. And so that is where I'm really focusing a lot of my effort and energy is getting this book in the hands of people who might not ever buy it for themselves. And so if you'd like to partner with me, if you'd like to be a part of somebody else's comeback, again, that's you'llneverchange.com slash pay it forward.
0: Oh man, I love that. That's the ultimate act of kindness is changing somebody's life with a book because I think we've all experienced that one book, that one book that completely changed your life. And as an author as a reader, it doesn't matter to be a part of that journey is is just uh, so powerful, man. So gosh, that's so amazing. I love it. And and for everybody listening like if you want to pay it forward, check it out and and uh, Nate where can people find you you know you have the website there but where can people find you on, on socials and the website and all that yeah so uh,
1: you can find me on Instagram at whoisnatedukes, or you can find me on Facebook um, it's facebook.com/ who is Nate Dukes um, you could sign up for uh, my weekly email that I send out uh, it's called a, a weekly wisdom you know the internet the internet is a crazy place. Uh, But I've curated some of the best YouTube videos, podcasts, audiobooks, books, things that I'm reading and listening to, and I call it wisdom. Um, And so if you want to sign up for that, you can go to
0: youllneverchange.com slash wisdom. Oh, it's so beautiful, man, and and, uh, and I know you're a coach. And in what kind of coaching do you do with folks? Like, what? Who is your ideal client? So, somebody who's ready to make a comeback. Somebody that's experienced
1: failure. Um, they and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the form of addiction. Um, even though I have coached several guys who have felt like, man, I'm ready to make some changes in my life. And I just don't believe that getting clean and sober is the goal of anybody's life. I really do believe that that's a side effect of wanting more. So if you want more, if you're hungry to go to another level and you want to experience fulfillment along the way, um, I do this six-week mentorship program that I do and I'd love to talk about that with anybody that's interested.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. And and uh, any final thoughts here? Any, any last words for folks that are listening?
1: Yeah, if you are ready to write a book and you have a message and you are feeling like, man, there's something more inside of me, I just want to encourage you, foster that. Don't run away from it. Lean into that because it's there for a reason. God did not place that there as just a fun idea for you. He placed it there so you could start to meditate and build on it. So I hope that encourages you. I hope that builds you up. You're actually doing something of significance. And anytime you do something of significance, you're always going to start to attract some, some haters or some fear or some doubt. And so if, if you are experiencing fear, it is a sign of significance. Uncertainty is a sign of significance. Haters are are a sign of significance. So lean into that, push through, and watch what comes on the other
0: side. Oh man, such a powerful, such a powerful message, and uh, yeah, so true. And this is what the whole podcast is about: is really inspiring that person that has that book that's just screaming in the back of their mind, but they're trying to ignore it. That's that's who listens to this podcast, and that's who is. Uh, I want to inspire to write a book. So, thank you, Nate, for that message, and and uh, thank you so much for an amazing interview. And uh, just God bless you because you are changing the world one book at a one book at a time. And I love it. I love your mission. I love your message. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. And for everybody listening, check out check out the links in the notes. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you on the next one. And Nate, please go out there and just keep changing the world because you are doing amazing work. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. I love this podcast. and I love what you guys are doing.
0: There's an infinite amount of books floating out there in the ether. And all you have to do is tap into your highest self and write it. What if you could go out in the wilderness or international trek and experience firsthand shamanic healing, mental, emotional release and write your first draft. Writing a book isn't about the book. It's about the integration healing that that book facilitates, isn't it? Because when the book heals the author, the book heals the reader. And that's an amazing thing. If you've been procrastinating writing your book for years now, you can hear that book screaming for its life every night. Join me for a backcountry breakthrough. You'll experience guided trekking, daily energy sessions, mental emotional release, and writing sessions that guarantee a rough draft by the time you get back to the trailhead. Join me for a backcountry breakthrough. Go to mountainmindtricks.com backcountry-breakthrough. So go to mountainmindtricks.com backcountry-breakthroughs. Writing a book isn't about the actual book, because there's gonna be those obstacles that try and derail you from the actual writing. The key is preserving through the pain of writing every day. The book begins to highlight your emotional deep core wounds in a way that makes you wanna quit writing, right? But if you stay on the course, the old beliefs, the old identity of yourself, the negative ways of thinking begin to fall away. And suddenly, a new way of being starts to emerge. This is when the book begins to come alive and write itself because in this moment you aren't writing the book the book is writing itself as you have this internal transformation this is the essence of healing through writing is your book screaming from the back of your mind i know mine was what would happen if your healing journey stopped here you never got over that final hump your regret remorse from not writing your book was the source of mind body future disease i mean what would you tell your clients if you couldn't work anymore go be healed somewhere else? I mean, what would happen if your business failed because you hold yourself back from your highest self? What would it be like if you regretted the book you never wrote, and your last thoughts on your deathbed was, I wish I would have written that book. See, all these things are tragic, but it's possible for you to reach your big dream and be a number one best-selling author. When the book heals the author, the book heals the reader. This is a powerful concept because when books heal the reader, They sell and they go number one bestseller. So I'm starting this movement of healing through writing and using the breakthrough session to release the root cause of writer's block, that procrastination, that loss of motivation when you started writing your book or you had the idea and you never started. There's one-on-one coaching calls, weekly homework and accountability. After a comprehensive health assessment, we build habits and systems and goals to keep you on track. There's MP3 guided meditations, one-on-one hypnosis, and then I really teach you how to get published, how to self-publish, or publish with my company, Mountain Mind Tricks Publishing. Then you leverage your book on podcasts, talk shows, speaking engagements, and you manifest that prosperity and passive income you're really looking for in your business. So I want you to check out BreakthroughWritersBlock.com and join the Healing Through Writing movement be the best thing you've ever done in your life, because writing a book will completely change everything. So go to BreakthroughWritersBlock.com. Again, that's BreakthroughWritersBlock.com. Are you a new author? that's trying to wade through self-publishing of what category should I pick, find the right designer, get an editor. What about the formatting? What's the dimensions that the actual spine of the book have to be? Is it gloss or white paper? There's so many different things that goes on in publishing. And that's why I'm dedicated to helping indie authors that have gone through this healing journey through writing their own book, publish that piece of art, publish that amazing work that could help heal others. And here's the thing, is when a book heals the author, the book heals the reader. And this is so huge. I know I say this all the time, but it's so important. And and I want to help the world make a huge impact by spreading more books that heal the reader. So if this sounds like you, I want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com publishing. Again, that's mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. And if you're waiting through, should I publish on Amazon about Ingram Spark? How do I get my book into bookstores? What should I do to even launch a book? How do I get on podcasts? There's so many things that go into publishing. And again, that's why I'm here for you. I want to publish your book. So if this sounds like you, go to mountainmindtricks.com publishing. Again, mountainmindtricks.com publishing.